Amen. You may be seated. I love you. Your Bibles are already at Psalm 13, uh, which was just read to us. So I was uh, struggling through what to preach um, on the first Sunday of the year. I didn't plan as well this year. I normally don't preach this Sunday or last Sunday, but I didn't... Uh, I didn't do a good job there. So I thought about doing, um, at, you know, your start of the year, rah, rah, new year, new you, get up, exercise, read your Bible, pray, gather with the saints, share the gospel. You can do it kind of deal. Um, but I, I, a few things led me to Psalm 13. And the first thing is that uh, the, the Lord is extremely kind to us, even in this age. Okay. Um, because of sin and Adam's rebellion and our participation in it, okay, uh, we deserve nothing good in this age. Okay, zero. We 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 deserve nothing in this age. God has given over humanity and creation to futility. Okay, God has cursed us into the dirt. So if you if you started your you know Bible in a year plan, you read Genesis one through three the last two days, and God cursed man to the dirt. And God cursed the dirt he's going into. And he's, he's, in doing that, he's removed all boasting from humanity. And so no matter how awesome you might think you are or whatever technological advancement uh, we make or how much money we make or kingdoms built, whatever, at the end of the day, God has cursed mankind in this age to death. Okay? Like that's where it, that's where it all goes. Okay? You, can, you know, list your people. They go into the dirt. Steve Jobs is in the dirt. Jeff Bezos will go uh, in, into the dirt. Carnegie is in the dirt. I mean, everyone, no matter what, however awesome they are, at the end of the day, the word of God stands and you still die. Okay? The, the curse rolls um, on. And, and this, I don't, I don't have this in my notes. I just want to read a little bit of it. This is uh, Psalm 90. Okay? Psalm 90 is the only psalm that's attributed to Moses. And he's just kind of musing on. God, no matter what, we're still all dying. And he says, verse 3, you return man to dust. You you say, return, O children of man. Um, You sweep them away as a flood, men. They're like a dream, like grass that's renewed in the morning. Uh, For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath. We are dismayed. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in light of your presence. All of our days pass away under your wrath. Like this is the Psalm 90. And then the Psalm ends with him saying, God, remember your mercy, which is going to be that we die. But the mercy of God is what? Right. But that's that's the age to come. Okay, we still got to deal with with death um, in this age. In the age to come, however, okay, Adam's righteous sons, those who are in you know, in Christ, in that second Adam, uh, they're not cursed anymore. Okay, but they're blessed with eternal life. Like that's the hope of the age to come. And so the the norm, okay, the way things work in in this age is generally for most of the world, for most of all time, is suffering and death. Happy New Year. You know, <laughs> okay. And the norm for the age to come, the rule for the age to come, is is blessing and life forever. Like that's the that's the that's the line. Okay, that's how things work um, in the scripture. And so here's where the kindness of the Lord um, comes in for me over the last month or whatever. That even though this age is marked and the norm of this age is the curse, God still gives so much blessing. Okay, like even in an era when we don't deserve it and it's not the norm, God still gives these things. So I was just thinking about, 
um, this month, and this was a fun exercise to do. Um, I got this month. I got to hold my three month old or three day old niece. Okay, who is perfect in every way. Um, I got to hold my four week old nephew again, perfect in every way. I got to hold my one year old nephew who is perfect, but is in front of a camera too much, and I foresee some issues down the road for him. <laughs> I'm not joking. I worry about that one. Um, I got to play with my three, four, five-year-old nieces and nephew who are so fun. The girls are becoming girls and and talking back. I don't like that. Um, But they're so fun. Uh, My parents live 20 minutes away and are in good health. On, On Sunday mornings, I get to come here and preach the gospel to people who believe it which is just a a joy. Uh, On Sunday nights, I get to sit in a room uh, with people who love me, not based on my performance, but just because they love me. Okay? Like, that's, on on Sunday night, that's that's what I do. Like, I sit there and I'm like, I'm the luckiest person in the world to do this on Sunday. On Tuesday nights, I'm fed steak and bacon by my closest friends. They feed it to me. I do nothing. I just sit there and here's a plate, here's steak and and bacon. I got to sing Christmas carols and light candles and watch our kiddos dress up as donkeys and angels and shepherds and wise men. Uh, My in-laws walked into my house uh, over break with two big bags of ground beef, Um, which if you know me, like that's all I want. I I, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm easy. Um, I got the kindest Christmas cards. Um. Yesterday, Sierra and I have been married for eight years, and I love her more today than I did on our wedding day. I liked her on our wedding day. I love her now. I'm just kidding. I love you all the time. Um, and so like, I can just keep going. On top of all of these things, I have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of me and, and pouring out the love of God in my heart, training me, keeping me on a narrow path unto the resurrection of my body and the inheriting of eternal life. Like These are all things going for me right now in this age. You know what I mean? Like, none of these things are deserved, and the Lord is just like, here you go, man. Um, And I'm just one person, okay? So the Lord gives freely these kinds of gifts to us in the midst of a present evil age, okay? So this is like just the character of God issue. What is God like? Mankind deserves nothing good, and he's just like, here you go, okay? Here's a little kid dressed up as a wise man to make you smile. You know what I mean? Like, all these, these kinds of things, and that's just shocking, to me, um, so thinking about that, and then within all of these blessings, though, this age is still this age. Okay, this age is not the age to come. This age is marked by sadness and sufferings and groanings and trials and and tribulations and death, and we got to deal with it. You know what I mean? Like we we can't walk around as disciples of of a crucified Lord and just be like, this is great. Everything's fine. Blessed by the best, brother. You know, like, that's annoying. <laughs> and it's not true. And it's, it's living in, in, in fantasy land, okay? If we, if we just put a, a band-aid of, of positive thinking um, over the brokenness, we, we don't do that, okay? We, we can't pretend those aren't there. And we can't do that, one, for ourselves, okay? You, you just you don't want to live in fantasy land. But not only do we not want to do that for ourselves and, and for our own sanity, okay, and for our own walking and staying on a narrow path, we got to do that and live in reality for the sake of our witness to the world, okay? If the world looks at the people of God and sees people who don't take things seriously, okay, and who try and cover up things with, with whatever, um, that's not good, okay? And that they're not stupid. They, they can see that. And so all that going on, I think Psalm 13 is instructive for us, okay? Both receiving blessings in this age, but also dealing with 
the curse. Dealing with the way that things uh, will play out until the Lord comes. Psalm 13 is for those who are well acquainted with the groan of this age. It's a psalm of lament. It's a psalm of sadness. And it's a psalm that's acquainted with the reality that things are not okay yet. Okay? Things will be okay. Like we, <laughs> Things are not okay yet. Psalm 13 just says, that's what I believe. Okay, Um, the Lord gives Psalm 13 to us as as lament, as sadness, as reality. But it's also a psalm of hope. And and that's why the Lord puts it in our Bible, I think, so that we know how to lament. We know how to grieve. We know how to be sad in the right way. But to grieve and be sad and lament as those with hope, not as those without hope, because there's a a chasm as wide as you can get. Like that's the, the difference between people. Okay. To grieve as those not without hope and have our hope anchored in the truth that the present state of things will one day cease and all we will ever know forever is glory and goodness and love. Okay, like so take all those good blessings in this age, Scott walking in with bags of beef and and kids dressed up and all this stuff and then just turn that up to 11 forever and it never stops like that. Okay, you know. What, I, what we need is we need the Lord to uh, give us a vision and an angel and, and all the stuff to describe that to us. Because I'm not going to do it. Okay, so Psalm 13, he begins, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? All right, so just common parlance for despair. How long, O Lord? How long am I going to feel this way? Like, how, how long am I going to have this ache in my chest? I keep waking up in the night with, with this on me, this weight on my heart, weight on my mind. How long is it going to be this way? Oh, Lord. And so if you've prayed this way, again, consciously or unconsciously, I don't, you know, I don't know what y'all are doing. If you pray this way, you, you pray like the king of Israel prays, which is kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like... That guy's life is way different than mine, but in this regard in prayer, like we're we're the same person, okay? Some scholars attribute, or most do, to Psalm 13 to the time when David's son Absalom, bad dude, uh, is trying to usurp the, the kingdom, humiliate his father and, and overtake and destroy David. And so in the midst of this, David is praying, how long, oh Lord, how long will thy enemy exalt over me? And, and he feels forgotten by God, okay? It's one thing to feel, you know, forgotten by uh, people or even close people. When we were younger, we left Nehemiah at a pizza place three times. Not once, you know, like, oh, I can't believe we did that. Three different times we left that one. Um, at, at that point, you got to ask, is it on purpose? You know, okay. Do you feel forgotten by people? That's a big deal. But to be forgotten by God, how long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Right? Hello, Lord, remember me. Shepherd in the field, all right? Harp player, giant slayer, king, messiah of Israel. Hello, did, did you forget all of that? Got a pretty good resume, God, all right? And so this is the normal feeling and, and normal reaction when the righteous suffer, okay? Which again marks this age. It marks the life of our Lord. It will mark the life of us. Did you forget me, God, okay? Did you, did you forget your kid? Not at Pizza Hut, but in my whole, like, did you forget me? Okay, of this psalm, Calvin writes, we are for a long time weighed down by calamities. And when we do not perceive any sign of divine aid, this thought forces itself upon us that God 
has forgotten us. And when it feels like God has forgotten us, we feel alone. Okay? If God is not here, if he's forgotten, surely everyone else has too, right? Stuff gets past other people. Stuff doesn't get past God. And if it got past God, there's no one else. And so he prays, verse 2, How long must I take counsel in my soul? How long must I have sorrow in, in my heart all the day? So ideally, and just as instruction here, you would share these things with God. The, the aloneness and, and abandonment and the how, how longness. The, the counsel needed would come in we's and ours, not eyes and mine. But for David, it just it feels like it's just him. Okay, it's just me. I only have counsel in my soul. I only, you know, that's what's going on here. God has forgotten him, so the only counsel comes from himself, okay? But on on the other side of this, just to say it now, these pains and these sufferings, whatever yours are, they're meant to be shared with the Lord. Okay, like that's that's a huge part of this. The point of, of Hebrews 2 and Hebrews 4. Hebrews 2, Jesus is made like us in every respect, partaking in the same sufferings we partake in, he, even to the point of death. You know what I mean? Like the curse of this age. Jesus like, I'll take that one too and go into the dirt. Hebrews 4, uh, he, in, in doing all of this, the, the Christmas deal, the incarnation, the whole bit, in, in doing this, he he's able to sympathize with us. Hebrews 4 said, as our merciful, faithful High priest, okay, who, who walks through the thing. So Jesus, more than anyone to ever live, can actually say to you openly and honestly, look you in the eye and say, hey, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? You've gone through something and someone says, I know what you mean. And you're like, no, you don't. Jesus can say, I, I know what you mean. And it's true. Okay. It's true. We we, we share our suffering with God. That's That's what we... Um, do, but also, just for instruction, we share them with our believing family, okay? We're not meant to, to grieve and lament alone, and so this is one reason I, I want to do a better job of and, and keep pushing and pressing us uh, into our, our, our classes, our smaller classes, and to our house groups, okay? So you can have people to lament with, to people to rejoice with, sure, like lots of, of laughing and eating and drinking and the whole bit, but also probably lots of crying, Okay? Megan's in the nursery right now. <laughs> Michelle's helping with the kit. Like, we cry. <laughs> I don't cry. Okay, but we got people to cry with. Okay, to say to, to say this, it's not okay. Things are not okay yet. And I don't like it, and it hurts, and it's hard. So we press into that. In this part of the psalm, David's only counsel, David's only solace is seemingly in his self, and he, he's alone, right? How long must I take counsel? And myself, but note David's next move, even though he feels alone and feels as though the Lord has abandoned him in his time of need, he still turns to the Lord uh, in, in prayer. Okay? Even though, he, like, you're not there, he still is going to bear his soul to his maker. He keeps doing, like, Peter describes Jesus later, First uh, Peter 3 or 4. He keeps entrusting his soul to the righteous judge on his throne. Like, Jesus going to the cross saying, okay, Lord, uh, not my will, your be, yours be done, the whole bit. And so he prays this way, verse 3, consider and answer me, O Lord. Like, like if you've forgotten me, it feels like you've forgotten me, but consider and answer me. The, the NET uh, translation says, God, look at me. Look at me. Hey, hello. Do, do you see me? That's all David can do now, right? He might not be able to get out of bed, might not be able to keep it together at work, whatever, but he can pray. You know what I mean? Like, 
and again, you know, despair and depression, it's different levels for different people, but there is a level where you can't get out of bed and you can pray. And it's this kind of prayer, okay? It's not, it's not, it's a level above groanings too deep for words. You know what I mean? Like there are groanings too deep for words and your only prayer to God is, this one is just, hey, look at me, God, consider me. I'm on my bed here. It feels like you've forgotten me. My enemy's exalted over me. Can you just look at me and consider me? So he can pray, and, and so he does. And so this is the counsel from Psalm 13, that even in those times and moments, whether that's a day, week, month, decade, ten decades, even if God is seemingly absent, I just say the instruction is stay on the path of prayer, even if it's weak prayer. Okay, and I'll just, I'm 30 now, I've been praying for a little bit. Most of our prayer is weak. Most of our prayer is pathetic. But it's still prayer. And it still ascends into the throne room of God on behalf of Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Like, like I think a lot of people, a lot of believers don't pray because it's so pathetic. And they're like, God, this is whatever, you don't even like this. I would say God really likes your pathetic ones. It really likes groanings too deep for words. God's like, yep, that's the one I'm looking for. Weak person, I'll use that one. I'll answer that one. A broken and a contrite heart, I won't despise that one. A bruised reed, I'm not going to break, not going to bend. David's next move then is, is heavy, but it's reality. So we deal with it. Verse 3, consider, answer me, O Lord. Look at me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. So David's despair now is to the point of death. Right? If the Lord does not intervene and breathe life into him, again, if you guys are reading your Bible, Genesis 1 through 3, the Spirit hovered over the breath, that's the water. Anyway, that just runs through your whole thing. If the Lord doesn't intervene and breathe life into him, if the Lord doesn't light up his eyes, David's assumption is okay, if you don't intervene, if you don't act here, I'm just going to perish and go down into Sheol. Okay? And so I just, again, want you to see it's a real thing to feel so discouraged. And so downtrodden and so hopeless about the state of things, so just sad, just sad, where tears soak your bed if you have the strength to cry, to feel the, you just feel the weight and the grind of this age so deeply, it's, it's possible. There's a level where you feel that death, though death is our ultimate enemy, would be a relief. This is what he's experiences. The king of Israel, God's anointed one, deals with emotions like these. Like this is all real. These are real words written by real people walking through real trials in this age. Okay, like this is what's going on here. Okay, but verse 5 and 6 then bring us, and Amanda, you hit it perfectly. You even said the same words I'm going to say. The turn. The turn. This is it. Verse 5 and 6, they give way to hope. Real actual hope that the present state of things uh, of this age with its sickness and sadness and earthquakes and hurricanes and depression and suicide and cancer and divorce and funerals of death. The present state of things, all of these things, they will one day cease. They will one day stop. Things won't be this way forever. One day the norm will flip. Okay, and the rule will flip and the rule for this age is sadness and suffering and death. That's going to flip and the rule is going to be life and blessing and peace forever. 
Like that, that's what he's saying here. So David prays, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul? How long will my enemy be exalted? Consider, look at me, God, light up my eyes lest I die. Lest my enemy say I've prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. In view of all of that, verse 5, David says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Okay, or NIV, I trust in your unfailing love. Or King James, I have trusted in your mercy. Or Net, I trust in your faithfulness. All of those words there are, are not random, you know, Christianese words. Okay, like like Christian radio didn't make up those words from nowhere. Right? This is, <laughs> never mind. No, I'll say it. This is how it works, right? They, the writers get in a room and they go, all right, we need a word that rhymes with grace. Face. You know what I mean? Like. And see, anyway, sorry. These are, are, my point is, these aren't made up words coming from nowhere. These are covenant words. These are words that God uses to describe the promises to Abraham and Moses and David. The unfailing mercy, it's it's, uh, hesed, okay? It's, it's, It's covenant love. And faithfulness and trustworthiness tied to what God has said. So David, what David is saying here is, Lord, in view of all of these calamities and in view of all of these sufferings and, and in view of how it feels like you've forgotten me and left me alone to counsel myself. In view of all of that, I'm going to set my heart on the promises that you made in the covenants, like real specific promises from God. And, and my heart presently rejoices in that promise of final salvation. Okay. So salvation in, 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 in the scripture is this is big, overarching thing. Okay, now when someone repents of their sins and trusts in Jesus, do we say that they've... Yeah, they've definitely had salvation. But David's thinking new heaven... No, David's thinking a lot. Um, the restoration of all things. Okay, it's this big deal. I'm going to set my heart on this one truth. I'm going to rejoice in this one thing that you will make all things new. You will set all things to right through a son of Adam, through a son of Abraham, through a son of David. You will set us and creation free from the curse and now will not be always. So I'm rejo- I got all of this going on, but my heart rejoices in your salvation, okay? Because you've dealt bountifully with me. And this is how David instructs his heart, okay? And this, again, I'm not old enough to say this with authority, but just take it on, on the Bible's authority. This is how you live. You instruct your heart in these things, okay? You walk through stuff, you walk through difficulties, you lose a loved one, you lose your job, you get divorced, whatever. These things happen, you walk through them, and then you tell your heart these things, okay? I will trust in your covenant love. I will trust that now is not always, and and you get up out of bed and you do it the next day. And you do it the next day, and you do it the next day, and you do it the next day, and you do it the next day. And then one day you wake up, and like lightning flashing from the east to the west, the Messiah splits the sky. Right? Right? Like, I made it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, oh, wow, this is great. (laughs) You know? This is how David instructs his heart, and this is how we have to instruct our heart. Not in some narrative that's not this one. Okay? Because that one might feel good for a little bit and might make you feel better for a little bit. But at the end of the day, it can't raise you from the dead. This can't. Okay? So David instructs his heart in this way. And we can do it too, but with even more confidence than David did. Okay? 
And again, I think um, when David speaks and David writes, it's the inspired word of God, okay? Um, but I know things David didn't know, although he knows now, right? Okay, we know this is more true because of Second Peter one nineteen, where Peter writes, we have the prophetic word, okay? The word to Eve, Abraham, Moses, David, the prophets. We have that prophetic word, David, Peter says, more fully confirmed. Okay, we, we know these things to be true more than even they did. Why? Why are we more sure in 2022 than he was then? Because we know about Christmas, right? We know about the incarnation, Emmanuel, God come to dwell with us, a son of David and the son of Abraham coming to dwell with us. We know how Jesus was transfigured on that holy hill, right? Goes up on the mountain and they're like, whoa. Okay, as a picture of what our glorified bodies will be like. We know about the crown of thorns. We know uh, about that trek up Golgotha. We know about the nail-scarred hands. We know the links that God went to show his steadfast love for sinners. David's not privy to that information when he's writing this. And he still trusts in the steadfast love of God. We are privy to these things. We know these things. We sing songs about these things and make movies about these things and make little coffee mugs about these things and have t-shirts about them. Like, we know these things. We know all of this stuff. And this is how David deals with the present. Okay? This is how David deals with the how long, by setting his heart on his steadfast love. The, the, the words passed in the covenants, the words of God's faithful love, okay? So again, notice the turn one more time. David's focus moves out of the past and the present, and David moves into the, the future, which if you've listened to me preach, you're tired of this, but it is what it is. In the present... He's putting his trust in God's faithful love, and he's putting his rejoicing in God's promised salvation. Okay, now he looks forward. And so David says, even if I cannot sing now, right, because this ends in a song. <laughs> even if I can't sing now, in the future, I know that, verse 6, I will sing. Can't sing now. Okay, I can barely more get words up to God. My only prayer is look at me. Okay, I can't sing now, but I know, verse 6, I will sing. Okay, I, I'm going to do that. Because he's dealt bountifully with me, why can David be sure he's going to sing? It's because the Lord has dealt bountifully with him, okay? He has made known to David where all of this is going, and David knows it doesn't end in sadness. Okay? He's sure of that. It doesn't end in night. It ends in the daytime. It ends in light. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. And the Lord's saying, I'm going to. That's how this thing ends. If I could have the music team come up. This here, Psalm 13, is the counsel that Scripture gives us when this age feels overwhelming, okay? And it's a really easy message. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's this. Take all of your hope and put it in the coming age. This is what God is doing, okay? Not that counseling's not good, okay? Not that medicine can't be valuable. It's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that at the end of the day... The only hope for, for the dark night of the soul, the only cure that will ail the sufferer is the hope of the age to come and the hope of God making good on everything he's promised. Okay, It's hope in the day when he raises our bodies out of the grave to dwell with him forever on the earth. And not our bodies only, but guys, the bodies of all we've lost who've died in him. That... That's not going to be real. You know what? <laughs> and when we see those things, okay? 
when when we see um, the dead raised, we'll do verse five and six, and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation, and I will sing to the Lord. <laughs> so if you can't sing now, at the start of a, of a, a new year, that is okay. All right, but you got to believe you're going to sing later. <clears throat> now is not always, okay? Because. In the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even the darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Master Samwise. On that day, we will no longer grieve. Okay? We will sing and we will rejoice. And so to close, as the Apostle Peter wrote to the elders of the churches and the dispersion, I want to say to you, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's winter in Narnia, said Mr. Thomas, and it has been forever so long. Always winter, but never Christmas. I'm here to say, Auslan's coming. Right? (laughs) All right. 2022. Let's stand. Let's pray. Uh, how long, O oh Lord? Lord, we we uh, we're not all here. This is, you know, but some of us are, and so we ask you that you would take the words of promise, the words of the covenants, God, to Eve, to Abraham, to Moses, to David, to the prophets. God, would you take those words, your promise of restoration, your promise of making all things new, your promise of raising the dead, your promise of wiping every tear from our eye, God, banishing sadness from the earth, banishing sickness from the earth, banishing death. I ask that you would take those words, God, and you would brand them on our hearts. Write them, God. God, I ask for, um, God, this year that we would grieve, when we grieve, we would grieve not as those without hope. But we would put all of our hope in the promise of God for eternal life for all who put their trust in Him, for all who repent of their sins. How long, O Lord? The answer is not forever. Not forever. In the name of Jesus, everyone said.